First Timothy 4, 12 through 16. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the, the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. This is the word of the Lord. Now, I know what you're thinking. Now we have to listen to a sermon. Uh, but you're in luck today. Um, there is, uh, this will be a homily. And a homily means a shorter sermon, okay? <laughs> so, uh, and this will function as a charge. Uh, specifically, I want to charge our new uh, brothers and sisters that are leading and encourage you, but those of you that are already leaders in the church and those of you that are servants in Christ, it all is the same message for us. And so let me begin by praying. God, we thank you for your provision. We thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for the things that you tell us in your holy word, your sacred word that has heavenly light, that says things that the world doesn't say, that gives us hope that the world can't offer and that completely transforms the way that we lead. Would you now give us a vision of that through your word in Christ's name? Amen. Well, as I said, this is a special celebration because God has provided more workers for the harvest to bear the burden of the church and bear the burden of the city and to be used of God to accomplish his work. In the book of Acts, we read, uh, Luke says that in the gospel, I told you all Jesus began to do. He's going to keep doing stuff, and he is doing things through our church and every church that proclaims his name in this city. And as we heard each of these candidates stand up and give their testimony over the last month, you heard what I call a holy hesitation. That is, uh, they didn't presume that they were, I don't want to say fit, but were they ready to assume this responsibility? It was a proper humility. I think I have a quote in your bulletin, or if it's a different one, I think I got a different one than this, but I'm going to read you one. Um, I thought it was good, because how do we um, do a work which God calls us to, which in many ways is above us, yet at the same time be real? This is always the challenge, I think, especially in church work as a leader. I feel it. I will tell people regularly, I, I couldn't do this job if I couldn't be real while I do it. It would just be too much. And so uh, I was reminded of a quote I read, Jesus walked and worked with those he was to serve. His was not a long-distance leadership. He was not afraid of close friendships. He was not afraid the proximity to him would disappoint his followers. The leaven of true leadership cannot lift others unless we are with and serve those to be led. 
This is one of the fears of leadership. If I get close to people, they'll see who I am, and they won't want to follow me or serve. And so I want to give to you a word of confidence and calling as we reflect on this passage from 1 Timothy chapter 4, first talking about the confidence of a leader. Now, Paul is writing to his mentee, who is now between 20 and 30 years old, and he's an elder, a pastor in a church. Uh, all our, uh, all our uh, candidates are the same age as Timothy was in their 20s and 30s. And so right off the bat, we come to see that leadership isn't necessarily measured by age, but maturity, spiritual maturity. Uh, we can live a lot of years and not grow a whole lot. But those that know Christ, even in their younger years, can manifest wisdom beyond their years, despite the age and the younger. Paul says, let no one despise you for your youth. Let no one look down on you. There's a tendency in older folks to roll their eyes at the youth, right? Um, perhaps no one has suffered more critical articles than millennials, right? I mean, I've read dozens of them. I don't know what it is, but everybody seems fit to write a, um, an article about the way millennials, you know, fall short. I think because they're so active and do so much, maybe it's just envy. I don't know. And I'm not saying millennials are perfect. I agree with some of the articles. But there's a tendency of older folk to look down on younger folk. Uh, I remember when I came here 14 years ago, and I was still in my 30s, believe it or not. And uh, a couple folks that were attending were older than me, and they just flat out said to me, I'm not sure how I feel about having a pastor that's younger than me. Now, let it be said, no one says that to me anymore. Uh, <laughs> right? But the point is, you know, there's some sort of hesitation. But when we respect the leader... We're not asking for their age. We're looking at their godliness in their years in the Lord. And we respect what has God, God has called them to. Paul says, he mentions the council of elders and the laying on of hands. God's spirit leading and God confirming. Now that was a unique thing in Timothy's life, a prophecy. But the spirit of God is still leading and confirming. We trust you leaders today that God has done his job, even when you don't feel like you've done your job. That God is the one, that this wasn't your idea. That God raised you up through this congregation. They nominated you. We have prayed. We vetted you with a pretty invasive questionnaire. You remember that. You have been trained. You have had months to pray about this. God has been in this. He has led. He has confirmed. Be confident in the outward calling that God has given you when that inward calling is shaky. He speaks through his community. We were praying before the service, and we were praying for this part of the service, and one of the prayers said, thank you for the witnesses that are here today. You know, these aren't just guests. These aren't just members of a church. They are witnesses to what God is doing. Yet there's also a part you play. Paul says, let no one despise you, but instead set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. 
The way that you get respect isn't just singing, you know, R-E-S-P-C-T, what does it mean to me? The way you get respect isn't demanding people, respect me. Many times we do that. Or trying to be the smartest kid in the class, right? Or just trying to be this person that kind of forces themselves forward. That's not it. Paul says it's not through exhortation, but through example. Through example, win the respect of people. He mentions four things. He says the example of the, the way you speak. Your words, words are the loudspeaker of the heart. I have found as a leader in the church that God puts a pretty short leash on the things I say. Anytime I decide to sort of go off script and just maybe speak my mind, I feel like he's always come back and rebuked me. I've always had to go back and repent. Not that I shouldn't be honest, but he's calling leaders to weigh their words. For some of you, it might be holding your tongue resisting to say the thing that you want to say or speaking too much in a meeting. For others of you, it might be releasing your tongue and speaking up, setting an example with what you have to say in speech. The other thing is conduct, the way that you not only are living publicly, but behind closed doors. Now, that's a strange idea to set an example when you're by yourself. But you know something? Uh, a man or woman of God is really made when they're by themselves. In that alone time. It may be that, you know, that, that time when you're with your friends and you can let your guard down. We all need people like that. You know, leadership can be lonely. And you always feel like, you know, we need some peers where we can just kind of let our hair down and let our hearts free. But even there, God calls us to be careful. To do it with godliness. And then thirdly, he says, faith. I was thinking about the story of the 12 spies in the book of Numbers. Now, if you don't know that story, finally they're uh, looking at the promised land, the idea of taking the promised land, and they're going to have to have some enemies to contend with. So Moses sends 12 spies into the land. Ten of them come back totally fearful and anxious and unbelieving. Two of them, Joshua and Caleb, come back and say, no, we can do this. One of the primary jobs of leaders are is they absorb anxiety. Uh, you know, there's a lot of anxiety with change in life, in the church. Maybe it's something that happens. Maybe it's the budget. Maybe it's some sort of conflict. Maybe it's a potential move. Maybe, you know, fill in the blank. Maybe it's the culture. And all of us have a tendency to be anxious. And that's the time where leaders have to double down even more so to get on their knees to trust in the Lord so they can absorb the anxiety of the people and not light a fire and add more to it. And then lastly, love. He says, set an example in love. In the end, the Bible says the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Uh, the flock should feel loved by you. You should open your heart and love them and be loved by them. All of it culminates there. Everything falls short without it. But how does that happen? Let me close with this last portion, the call of a leader. Paul calls Timothy to immerse himself in a few things. Now, you know, summer is here, and it's always interesting to watch people at a pool. You know, some people just dangle their feet. Some people do that thing where they wade in the water. I don't know how they do that. The idea of being cold this far up just drives me crazy, right? 
Other people just dive right in. What he's calling you to do when it comes to these things is to jump in the deep end, to be soaked, to be saturated, not to wiggle your toes and not to weigh just a little bit, but to be immersed in these things. What does he say? A few things. One, be immersed in the Word of God. Paul is focusing on the task of elders when he talks about the public reading of Scripture and preaching and exhortation, like we do here on a given week. But at the very least, he's saying the, the leader needs to be centered on the Word of God. Why? Because we don't need your mind and thoughts. We need the mind and thoughts of Jesus. We don't need earthly wisdom. We don't need wisdom like the world gives. But where do you get that wisdom that's surprising, that's seasoned with grace, that sees things that aren't seen normally, that can clear the clouds? It comes from someone whose mind has been shaped by the Word of God. You as a leader are called to immerse yourself in that Word. And at the heart of that Word is Christ and His Gospel, the Gospel of grace. There's nothing more empowering for a leader than the grace of the Gospel. There's nothing you could do better for this church than to drink deeply of God's grace. To know daily that He loves you with a great love. That He's not just the God who loves the world, He's the God that so loves the world because of the great love with which He loved us. For you to lean into your full rights of sonship as sons and daughters of God. For you to believe that God's pleasure in you, God's pleasure in you is His favor and smile over your life. For you to believe that the Holy Spirit of God the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which raised Christ from the dead, immeasurable power from God, is the very power that resides in you. And it's not how much of the Bible you read or how long you read it. The question is, are you honed in on that word with Christ at the center, and are you meditating on it? Are you inflaming your heart on it? Are you drinking it in? Is it food to you? If you do that as a leader, you will be an example in faith and life. Second, don't neglect your gift. That means don't be lazy, but also don't be insecure. Don't be fearful. I know the tendency right now as you're starting off is to uh, be a learner, and you should be a learner, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't in full confidence use your gifts. Don't neglect the gifts that God has given you. Fan them into flame. And the only way you fan into flame is to get into motion, right? It's using them. It's been such a privilege for me to watch our present deacons, deaconess, and elders, and just to see the way that they have blossomed, become on fire with their gifts over the years. Years of fanning. These men and women of God that just grow in stature and wisdom and love. Don't neglect your gift because it has not a little to do with your character and who you will be. But lastly, watch and make sure that your life and your belief are the same thing. Now, sometimes we talk about theological terms. We talk about orthodoxy. That's true belief, godly belief. We talk about orthopraxy. That's what you do. We talk about orthopathy, that's what you feel. All three of those things, what we believe, what we feel, what we do, are to be integrated. 
Paul says that the way that you see progress is by practicing these things. We don't get progress from good intentions. We don't get progress from just sort of thinking about it. We get progress from all three of those things, believing our heart to the Lord and doing and practicing. This is the behavior and pattern that God has given us. So in the end, the result of this will be it will confirm your own salvation and it will help assure the salvation of those that belong to God. I mean, it's really sort of a stark and stunning thing Paul says. He says, in the end, you will save yourself in your hearers. That sounds almost like heretical. Doesn't Jesus just save people? He does. He saves them through you. He saves them through his leaders. As you begin to do his work, it will be the gift. It will impart saving power to the lives of people in this congregation. New salvation Old salvation, cold salvation through what you do. So we want to encourage you as a leader to walk in confidence, hear the call of the Lord, and we thank God for you. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for these leaders. We pray that you would give them everything they need for life and godliness. In Christ's name, amen.